Yeah, Lord Jesus, so thank you for Eleanor. Thank you for your love for her. Thank you that you filled her with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you gifted her to live for you and to speak for you. And Lord, I pray for a wonderful sense of peace upon her now and pray that you'll speak to us through her right now by your spirit and impart life to us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I needed that. (laughs) Um, It's funny, Nigel. I think you planned it really well that you got me on International Women's Day, you know. You're hitting all the quotas, young, mixed, everything. Um, But anyway, 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 anyway. So, effortlessly, excellently done. I applaud you. Okay, um, so we're looking today at the story of Zacchaeus. Is it Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. I might interchange, but I'm talking about the same person, just to, just to put it out there. Um, so let's just read through the whole text. So it is um, Luke 19, 1 to 10. Um, actually, no, we're going to go through it bit by bit. This story is 10 verses long, but there's so much to unpack in it. And I'm going to give like a bit of a blurb first of what I think this story is about and what this story shows. I think that this is a story of an unlikely character. It's a story of the pursuit of God. It's a story of a wholesome relationship. It's a story of unmatched grace. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of transformation. And it's a story of impact. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. So, yeah, um, I'll try to be quick. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start at verse 1. Luke 19, verse 1. So, it starts, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there who was named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So that is the first couple of verses, verses 1 to 4, and there we really have the scene being set. Who are we dealing with? A man named Zacchaeus. We're told that he's the chief tax collector, first of all. That's saying that he's not just like a a normal tax collector. He's like, he's a boss. He's a chief. He's a chief tax collector. He therefore would be in charge of other tax collectors in doing their role. And it also says that he was very rich, a product of him being a chief tax collector. So he is very rich, and the result of him becoming rich has been a result of essentially him cheating people out of their money. So this is where we kind of get to grips with the character of Zacchaeus, or the kind of person that he is. The next thing, and this is quite unusual for um, a description of someone in the, car- in the Bible. He's described as being short. That's rude. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't talk about Scott when he's not here. Um, so he's described as being short. No one else in the Bible is really described by their characteristics. So that tells us that that has relevance, right? Yeah, so we come to that. So he's short. And then it says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass by. What's interesting, I think, about that is that he is pursuing a glimpse of Jesus. 
He's been put in a situation where he's now too short to actually see. He could have decided that he wanted to, he was just like, I I can't see, so let me not waste my time, let me carry on. He's looking for something because he wants a glimpse of this guy called Jesus, right? So it raises an interesting question, like what's going on in his mindset at that point? So that kind of sets... The, the tone. He's, he's desiring something. We're not sure what he wants. He's clearly not a popular person. He would have been a chief tax collector. He would have been teething people of their money and they wouldn't have appreciated it. And he, he's rich. He's someone that wouldn't have been seen as um, particularly loved in society. He wouldn't have been loved in society, right? That, so that's setting the scene. Now, this is, I think, where, well, when Jesus comes in, things start to always get cool. But I think this is when some really cool stuff starts to happen. So it goes from verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and great joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. There's so much to unpack there in those two, three verses. So we start, Jesus is coming by. He's walking by, sees the guy on a sycamore tree. He's like, cool, um, there's someone up there. Zacchaeus expected him to walk by, but what does Jesus do? He stops. Yeah. He comes, he comes to the sycamore tree. He stops. And Zacchaeus, what's so interesting about this? So, oh, the Bible's just so funny sometimes. Zacchaeus is short, right? What would his experience be when interacting with people? Where are they looking? They're looking down on him, right? They're looking down on him. He's come to this situation now. He's climbing the tree. He's not even trying to interact with Jesus. He just wants a glimpse. I wonder as well if he's not desperate for Jesus because he has the security of his wealth, right? He might believe, I, I want to know who this is. I'm interested, but I don't need to be saved, right? I don't need to be saved. I have, I have my money. I have, I'm cool. Like, I have power. I'm forcing people to respect me. But he's in this tree now. He's just wanting to get a glimpse. Jesus stops and he looks up. He literally says he looked up at Zacchaeus. I wonder the power that that could have had, that, that immediate interaction with Jesus. Zacchaeus is immediately, he's seen differently. And I think it's something that he would have noticed. I think he would have, what? Well, someone's looking up at me like that. That never happens. I'm always looked down on, always by everyone. So Jesus come and straight away he does something new. We see Jesus do this so often in the Bible. He comes to someone who is seen as an outcast or seen as someone who shouldn't deserve love or doesn't deserve love and he he meets them in a way that they don't expect and they don't think they deserve or they're not used to it and so immediately he's like you're looking up at me and so he looks up at him that's the first thing that I think is amazing then he goes Zacchaeus quick come down I must be a guest in your home today How do the people that are around respond to this? It says they're displeased. It says they're grumbling. They're saying he's gone to to be the guest of a notorious sinner. 
What I love about that is they don't even call him by name. They don't call him Zacchaeus. They, they define him by what he's done, right? He's a notorious sinner. That's the guy that took, my, took four times what he was meant to. That's the guy that stole my money. That's the guy that, that he's done me so much wrong. Zacchaeus, no, that's, that's the guy that did that, right? But Jesus calls him by name. And I think there's so much power in that. And I think what is really important to recognize as well is that in chapter 18, Jesus is talking about how hard it is for a rich person to enter heaven, right? So I think what's important to understand is that Jesus is not oblivious to the situation that he's faced with. He's not oblivious to the person that he's interacting with. He's not condoning Zacchaeus' actions, right? He's just saying his name. All he said is his name. He's not condemned him, though, either. And that's what everyone else has done, right? He's a notorious sinner. He's not condemned him nor condoned him. In chapter 18, Jesus says, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom? And then he talks about it being easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. We've already been told Zacchaeus is rich, right? So maybe you would think Zacchaeus is a bit of a lost, lost cause. Maybe. Maybe that's what the people around thought. They thought, he's got too much money. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's, he's not really deserving of being seen in a new light and being, being given love, right? In that same chapter, I love it. In that same chapter where Jesus talks about how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom, Verse 27, Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God, right? So Zacchaeus, everyone would have come to him and been like, no, that's just the sinner who takes our money. Like, he's, he's, he's gone. He's lost cause, lost hope. He's not really Jewish anyway. He, he just, he, he doesn't matter, right? But what is impossible with man is possible with God. And I love how Luke does this because he puts that right next to where, he, where Jesus then meets Zacchaeus, and he calls Zacchaeus by name. I wonder if there's something in that for us. We often, I think, define people by their characteristics, right? One thing that generally defines me when people look at me, they recognize that I'm tall, and they recognize this, right? So I think often people will be like, oh, the girl, that's like tall and curly hair, Right? Zacchaeus by the people is known as the notorious sinner. I wonder if there's times where there's characteristics or things that we've done or other situations that people have attached to us, right? It might not be as uh, shallow or whatever as she's tall and curly hair. Maybe someone's like, that's the person who did this to me. Or that's the one that's rude. Or that's the one that's like this. Or that's the person that is just always selfish or always speaking rudely about people. And others can attach that to us, right? They can put our worth and our identity in the things that we've done wrong. Maybe even in the things that we do well. Maybe we're giving gifts. Me, for example, I work in a creative agency. You don't need to know what that means. I basically have to be creative on a regular basis. That's a gift that I've been given, but it's not something that defines my worth, right? It's not 
what makes me who I am is something that I've been given and I can use. And so Zacchaeus is defined as being a notorious sinner, but Jesus calls him by name. Jesus says, then not only, quick, come down, I must be a guest in your home today. Again, Jesus is dignifying him, right? He's not saying, come, listen to my preaching, like, you need to be told the truth. Come to, he's not saying, maybe we say to someone, like, yeah, come, come to me, and I'll tell you what you're doing wrong, and how you need to do it better. Can anyone kind of see themselves having done that in the past? Where you're like, I will tell you what you're doing wrong and how you need to do it better. And it may be something that we don't immediately recognize that we've done or maybe don't immediately recognize where somewhere that we, we've been in fault. But I think what is so powerful in this interaction is Jesus teaches us how we should interact with people that are lost, right? That are not meeting Jesus and not acting accordingly. So he says, I must be a guest in your home today. And then we get to see, I'm so sorry, can someone get me water? Because my mouth is dry and I don't want to, um, I don't want you to all have to hear that. <laughs> so the response is Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and in great joy. Right? Thank you so much. Do you guys remember what our Christmas um, theme was? What we called it? No one. Tom, you know, what was it? You don't know? Ah, oh. Not quite. Good news of great joy. Right? How does Zacchaeus respond? Great excitement and... Can we see... This is what Jesus does. Like, it doesn't stop at Christmas like, oh, Jesus brings excitement and joy. No, it shows up over and over again. What, what is it that's happening when, when Jesus interacts with people, their response is joy, right? The response isn't, I feel bad about myself because I'm, I'm not doing what I should be doing and I'm committing a sin and now I feel guilt and now I feel shame and now I feel like I'm being blamed. The response is joy, right? So that is the response that he comes with. And then it says, people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And they grumbled. If I was in this situation, right, I think I would have got to the point where I realized if Jesus is going to the house of a notorious sinner, something good is going to happen, right? How many times has he been to the house of notorious, sin notorious sinners and they've been transformed? But they haven't got it yet, right? He's gone to the house of a notorious sinner. Maybe if they'd been a bit more switched on, which I'm not saying we are more switched on because most of the time we're not. If they'd been a bit more switched on, maybe they'd thought, this is a chance for transformation. This is a chance. This is someone who's in power, who has wealth, who has status. Think about the possibility of this person getting transformed. What could the impact be? That is not the response they have. And I wonder if there's a calling on us sometimes to have more of that response. Sometimes we might see someone and we're thinking, this person doesn't have hope of redemption. They've gone too far. They, th what's the chances of them meeting God? 
Is, is that a possibility? Can that happen? I think sometimes we need to look beyond what we're seeing on the surface level of someone being acting like they're lying or they're being disrespectful, they're being rude, and, or they've cheated people or they've done all numerous of things. And w- we need to be able to look past that and say, because you are made in the image of God, I believe that you're redeemable. And that's what Jesus does, but the other people around don't. Who is aware, this might seem like a random cut, who's aware of um, a person called Kanye West? <laughs> Funny. Who? Who? Okay, who isn't aware of someone called Kanye West? Just put your hand down, you do know. What are you lying for? Kanye West um, is an artist, he's been around for a very, very long time. And recently he put out an album, does anyone know what the album was called? Jesus is King. You might be thinking, Kanye putting out an album, Jesus is King. If you haven't listened to it, I would really, really recommend that you listen to it. One of his songs is called Hands On. And this song, let me just, I I printed the lyrics. Let me see if I can find it. This song, this is what he writes, yeah? He He writes, I asked for advice and they dissed me. I said, I'm trying to do a gospel album, but what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first ones to judge me. He later says, made it feel like nobody loved me, made me feel alone in the dark, and you'll never see the light. He later says, what have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first ones to judge me, make it seem like no one loves me. And then he says, I'm not, uh, this is really random. He says, I'm not trying to lead you to visas. But if I try and lead you to Jesus, we get called halfway believers. I think as a society, we've learned to get to the point where if someone is weak or someone is a victim, we can love them, right? But what about the person that has everything or what the world says is everything? Kanye West, he has a lot of money. He has a lot of status. The world would consider him to be above us right? I think people found it a lot harder to give him grace and him love and him compassion than someone who maybe is in a disadvantaged situation, right? In the same, I think it, we have the story, very close to this story of the blind beggar. Are people aware of that story as well? Where It says that there was a blind beggar. He was sitting on the road and he saw Jesus pass. He couldn't see, obviously, because he's blind. And he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. And he only shouted louder. Jesus stopped and he ordered them to bring him, bring the blind beggar to him. And Jesus said, what do you want from me? Then he said, Lord, I want to see. Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. There's so many parallels between the story of the blind beggar and Zacchaeus. They both have something that means they can't see, right? They both continue to persist and to meet Jesus. And they both are then redeemed, right? I think as a society, we're so happy to let the impoverished and let people that are struggling have access to God and receive healing and receive love. 
But are we willing to let someone who's seen in the world as having status, as having money, as having a lot of things, a lot of things that we probably also don't have, are we prepared to give them grace, give them compassion, and give them love? And I think that is what the story of Zacchaeus is trying to show us. That even if you have all these things and you seem to be the chief tax collector in whatever sphere that is, in fact, you're also offered grace and the gifts of Jesus. So then the question is, what is the response that Zacchaeus has to meeting Jesus? We come on to verse 8. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Is that not a radical transformation? Right? He's just been stealing people's money. He's the chief tax collector. He's been taking all this wealth for himself. And for some reason, a single interaction with this man named Jesus, yeah, comprehend what's happening here. He's done a complete 180. You could call it, I don't think 360 works because that's the same direction. 180, right? He's done a complete 180 in that interaction. Has he been condemned? Has he been told you're doing this wrong? You're doing, you're doing X, Y, Z wrong. You need to fix up. He's been offered relationship and he's been offered grace. Are we offering people relationship? Are we offering them grace? Are you recognizing that you in your own situation are also receiving relationship and you're also welcome to receive grace? Right? At the start I said, it's the story of an unlikely character. It's a story of the pursuit of God. Have we seen the pursuit? It's a story of a wholesome relationship. Jesus has called him by name. He's not said you who has done this or you who have this situation in your life. He's brought him into relationship with himself. It's a story of unmatched grace, right? Think about the grace that is needed for someone who's been cheating people and been lying to people and been deceitful. He's, needed, he's needing grace, right? It's a story of redemption. So this is where we now come into our redemption. He's saying he will give half his wealth to the poor and those that he's cheated, he'll give them back four times. Remember how the people were so frustrated that Jesus was going to the house of notorious sinner? I bet they're not frustrated anymore. They're not vexed anymore because they're getting their money back. Four times, Right? If Jesus hadn't seen beyond what he was being shown, they probably wouldn't have got their money back. Yeah? I think we're called to see beyond what we're being shown. Right? And that's another thing. Like, as well, I would encourage everyone, as I was, like, going over my notes again, I felt like this was an encouragement I needed to give. The power of being in godly community... And people pointing out things that you can't even see in yourself, right? People being around you who will encourage you 
and say to you, this is what you're doing right now, but I can see the purposes that God has in your life. And I can see that it's greater than this right now. Right? We need people around us who will lift us up and say, yeah, like, you can do this. And you're not defined by all these things that you think you're defined by. Yeah? So I just wanted to give that encouragement. But now these people are getting their money back. I don't think they're grumbling anymore. But I wonder, as well, that must have been a difficult thing for Zacchaeus to do. He could have said, I'm transformed. Yeah, guys, I'm great. Okay, let me go collect my taxes. Right? He could have done that. He could have. But he has to, he really faces what he's been doing to these people. He gives them back. I'm sure there's people where he gave the money and they're like, that's what I'm saying. Like, give me my money. Do you know what I mean? Not everyone might have met him with grace. It wouldn't have been an easy thing to do to now give people that money back. Right? But he goes through the situation. And I think the reason he goes, he puts himself in this uncomfortable place is because he's come to the conclusion that this money I had, this wealth, this fake status that I had, I've met Jesus and that's better. Right? I've met Jesus. I've encountered relationship. Take half my wealth. Because that's not what I need anymore. I've met Jesus. I've received excitement. I've received joy. I've received true friendship. Not a fake forced friendship where you're now being my friend so I don't take your money. I've experienced love. I've experienced acceptance. I've experienced grace. Can we offer that to people? What would be the powerful? We offered that to others and what would be the power if we truly received that truth that we're offered grace and we're offered friendship and we're offered love when we meet Jesus i think there's so much powerful revelation and truth in all of that and so we get to Jesus's response he says remember Jesus didn't prompt him that's another thing Jesus didn't prompt him to give his wealth That was on Zacchaeus. He was so transformed that it led him to do something of immense impact. Right? And Jesus says, after Zacchaeus has now been like, I'm going to give my um, half my wealth away and I'm going to pay people back four times. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. One thing I love about that is that Jesus is saying, I'm chasing you. It's a story of the pursuit of God. I'm chasing you. I've come to seek and I've come to save those who are lost. He's receiving the grace of God. And I think as well, If you had seen that transformation, I think you would have been asking some questions. And what would have been the impact of Zacchaeus now giving his wealth away? I think that would have opened some sort of conversation. And I wonder how many other people would have come to know Jesus through Zacchaeus' transformation. It's a story of impact, right? Remember as well, what kind of tax collector is he? Chief. He has people under him. I wonder if he could also share that and influence them in that way, right? 
so much power in sharing the gospel with our leaders and sharing Jesus with those who actually have authority and they can influence and impact in that way. So we come to the end of the story. Jesus has come to seek and he's come to save the lost. I wonder if, um, do you want want to come up? I think two points that I really wanted to share with you guys this morning. And I think God spoke to me about this quite a while ago when we were in Ashburnham, which sounds weird. And I, I just made a note of it and then I've had to make this preach kind of from that. I think what we should respond to is that Jesus is giving us, he's calling us by name and he looks past things that society doesn't and he looks past even the things that we can't look past in ourselves. And I think, I think what he wants to say is that you are worthy of receiving his relationship and his grace and his friendship. But that equally everyone else is as well. Whether they're above you in status, seen in the world, whether they're below you in status, whether they're on the same level, we're all made in the image of God, right? All of us. And I think that's such an easy thing to agree with when we're all in church and everyone seems quite, quite nice. Like, this is, I can believe that everyone here is yeah, made in the image of God. I can deal with that, right? But when you're faced with, and I'm going to say someone controversial, when you're faced with someone like, for example, Donald Trump, are you willing to accept that he too... And it, like, it hurts me sometimes to say it because I'm like, that, I don't want that to be the image of God. And it isn't. It isn't. Even Boris Johnson. But are we, when we're faced with those kind of people in the world, when we're faced with people that have done us wrong... True. Maybe they think each other is made in the image of God, but we might struggle to... There we go. There we go. But are we willing to accept or believe that they too are offered grace and redemption? It's so easy to agree with in church. Really easy. Can we agree with it when we're faced with people who are, who are disrespecting us, who are mistreating us, who are completely ruining our lives? Can we accept that truth? then right and I think one so powerful thing about receiving Jesus and receiving the truth of who he is is that our we're given the opportunity to have a different response to those who are harming us than the rest of the world responds to them right we can say that is the notorious sinner or we can say their name and we can say I want to be in relationship with you I want to offer you the gift of grace and the gift of redemption how willing are we to do that right 
And also then, can we also accept it for ourselves? The grace and the love of God.